Good evening, Dave. From Stargate Command, deep inside Cheyenne Mountain, I'm Colonel Bryce O'Neill Irwin. <coughs> and I'm Dr. Michael Jackson Gaines. I'm allergic to podcasting. It was really a good sneeze, considering that the character is always sneezing. That was good, Mike. That was nice. That was really good. Uh, find show info, lightning, and entertainment articles, and the Geekistry forums at www.geekistry.com. .com. <laughs> Send us feedback to feedback at geekistry.com. Leave us a voice message and be on the show. Call 734-418-7077. Call that number. What are you, afraid? What are you scared? Are you scared to call that? Are you scared that we'll play it on the show? Because we the will. We will play it. Out and get me. Hey, by the way, guys, remember, too, that geekistry.com has got all kinds of sweet articles and stuff that we post up there. Usually about, like, one a week or so, sometimes a few more. And some of them are pretty informative and huge and exciting. So, And they're not things that we discuss here on the show. So if you're interested in more geek outs throughout the week, try geekistry.com and check out the articles that are posted there. Alright, let's get right to it, shall we? Before this thunderstorm like knocks my power out. It's almost like I've given you a disease. So for people who don't know this, um, Mike is uh, is in Jersey, yeah. New Jersey on the East Coast, and I am in Michigan in the Midwest. And they're not exactly in line. Mike is south of me and to the east of me, but the storm tracks tend to take most of the storms that hit here out towards him. So the storm that I had last night the big line of thunderstorms that took out our power is now hitting him. So yeah. it's like I, you know, like sneezed or vomited in his direction, and the Ebola <laughs> storm went to Mike. And now, during Geekistry, he will lose power. No, I will not. <laughs> but I'm looking at the map right now. Let's see, let's see how close it is. Oh, snap. Okay. Yeah, but see, how would anyone know if you actually lost power? Because we edit the show. So that, I could say... True. Oh, and the mic is going to start. What are the parents? All right, we're on battery backup now. And edit it like that. <laughs> it's the power of editing, my friends. But you don't know. He might have lost power. He might not have. What hasn't lost power is Ridley Scott, the director, still doing science fiction movies after all these years. Oh, Did you like so that he, transition? Yeah, that was really good. That was better than the crappy one I came up with. Ridley Scott, director of Blade Runner, director mm -hmm. of the original Alien, mm -hmm. director of other really cool movies like Gladiator. Right now, he's actually shooting a movie called Prometheus, which originally was bandied about to be a prequel 
of Alien. Mm. But since that news broke, they apparently decided that they wanted to rework it, and it's no longer a prequel. It's a film set in the same universe as Alien. So it's like... It's kind of like an expansion movie. I'm not sure what he's doing with it, but I have a lot of confidence in Ridley Scott revisiting just sort of that whole sci-fi universe. And to boot, before we even get into commenting on this stuff, it's now announced that his next movie, he's doing another Blade Runner movie. Now, whether that means yeah. it's a sequel or a prequel or a remake, I don't know. I'm hoping it's not a prequel because prequels suck, but it might be interesting in general that he's doing it. So Ridley Scott, after all these years, returning to science fiction where he, you know, in, in many ways got his start to fame. Mm -hmm. And don't forget he did the 1984 commercial for Apple. Oh, that's right. He did do that, didn't he? Yes, he did. This Prometheus thing, it's like a, an alien side quest, I yeah. suppose. It's, I don't know too much about it, and I think they're intentionally keeping a lot of stuff under wraps, but having a story in the same universe's alien is going to be very interesting although what i was a little psyched about when i first heard that it was originally supposed to be a prequel is that i wanted to know where the space jockey came from i wanted to know the whole backstory of that whole thing that's, that's one big giant piece of the entire alien story that we don't know well okay so for people who don't know the space jockey if assuming you've seen the movie or maybe assuming you haven't is the first in the very beginning of the first movie they come across a giant alien carcass that looks like its chest has been bursted out of with the little alien that probably tunneled its way out. And it's never really explained what this crashed alien ship they find with this giant alien is. Mm -hmm. And that's what Mike's talking about. You know, um, I had read an article that said that I think the original concept had something to do with that, but that they departed from it. But it still remains to be seen how much did they depart from it. It could very well be about that. For all we know, without having it totally tie into the aliens' mm -hmm. universe, I I don't know. It's really weird. Have you seen any of the production pictures of it? No. They're they're kind of floating around now. Pictures of uh, Charlize Theron, who's starring in it, and she's like in you know her space gear and astronaut suits Wait, and whatever. Charlize Theron in space gear. Now I got to look at this. Yeah, right. You got to look it up. But the um, <laughs> there's a lot of production design stuff going on, and it looks very '80s alien esque. Very much so. Like, the production design is squarely from back in the 80s. So this is definitely... In fact, yeah, it looks like H.R. Uh, Geiger's designs for Alien. Um, it looks like H.R. Geiger's stuff kind of plays into this one uh, in some way, too. The, the hallways and the, the sets and things like that sort of have that bio-organic kind of look to it. So mm. I don't know exactly what he's doing, but it looks kind of interesting. No, I can't find any pictures of her in her space gear, but I'm just looking at a bunch of pictures of Charlize Theron right now, and I'm a little distracted. <laughs> okay, so the Blade <laughs> Runner movie. What do you think of the Blade Runner movie? First off, like you said before, we don't know if it's a prequel or a sequel. I would not want a prequel because I, th I think it's unnecessary. It's not a backstory that we need to know. A sequel, on the other hand, would be great because I always wanted to know what happened with all these other replicants that were running around. See, I have to be honest with you, I never really liked Blade Runner. I felt that it was the production design was visionary, uh, but the pacing was slow, the plot was a little boring. Really? Yeah, I never really I never really glommed onto it. So I mean I'm not ex super excited for Blade Runner. Actually, I'm mildly excited for Blade Runner just because maybe they could make it better now. Maybe if, you know, with better technology or better pacing or something he'd come up with something better. But I, I was never really a big fan of Blade Runner, believe it or not. Never got why that movie was such a big deal. Oh, 
Bottom line is you're a fan. I I'm not I'm not not a fan. I just think it's a mediocre. That's all. Okay. I think like you know Alien. I think is great. Blade Runner. I think is great from a production design standpoint. But eh, okay. I just can't. Eh. Okay. Never really glommed onto it, but I, you know, it's. I just think it's cool that Ridley Scott's back doing science fiction after all this time. Because yeah. I mean, he certainly does other stuff really well. I I think Gladiator is. I don't know. It, it, while it's not historically accurate, it's one of the best historical movies out there, even though it's not accurate. So <laughs> whatever. But you know, I think at the end, uh, I'm I'm betting that at the end of the new Blade Runner movie, right. Deckard and Rachel, they're in their little hovermobile, and they're at the Grand Canyon, and they hold hands, and they say, don't stop. And they jump over the Grand Canyon. Wasn't that Thumb and Louise? Yeah, it was. <laughs> so. We could probably do a whole show on this topic, but uh, I thought I'd pick your brain on it. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm not going to tell you why I'm asking this. I'm just okay. going to ask it. Because it doesn't matter why I'm asking it. Because then they know where to find me. Intellectual property. Yeah. Is any pirating acceptable pirating? Ever. Now, this, this topic has been thrown around forever. But I'm curious. I have, I have my general opinions on it. And I feel probably a little guilty about them. But I'm curious about yours. So you're, okay, so you're talking about like, downloading torrents and things like that yep music movies games software i I mean let me let me just say straight out i'm against piracy in the sense that giving stuff away for free in my opinion is just not right if i mean that's why i have so many dvds and cds because i like i buy everything however i do feel that there's some validity in at least for music to listen to something for one time and decide whether or not you like it because that's happened to me before is it's not so much because i don't download i don't pirate music but i um there are times when i'll like it and i'll buy it or i don't like it i'll just never listen to it again do you remember the old blockbuster music stores do you remember those did they ever have those they were i think maybe they were just doing them in test areas but I, i remember one down in miami about yeah, 12 years ago, probably. Mm. And that was before the internet really took off. Okay. And Blockbuster Music, you could go in, you could, you know, pick yourself out a stack of CDs and bring them over to their listening bar. Mm-hmm. Okay. Where they would serve you, you know, juice and pop and drinks and, you know, whatever. And you could sit there with your stack of CDs and a headset, and the guys would open it up for you and give you your CD and a little controller, and you could listen to the whole CD and decide if you wanted to buy it. And that was was superior in many ways to what iTunes has or Amazon or whatever, because you could hear the whole thing. And sometimes it's important to hear the whole thing, I think, like what you're saying. Mm -hmm. However, there is one thing that I want to say is that the entire model that we have right now of copyright and quote-unquote piracy is ancient by today's standards. I think that yes. music and movies and, and other things are going digital. And there has to, there, I do agree that there are ways that companies need to protect themselves. The, it's just that the business model, today's business model, does not reflect what we're capable of doing today. There, I agree with you that in my general stance on things is that I'm, I'm against piracy in general. 
and feel that people deserve the rights to their intellectual property. Mm-hmm. Here, but there's a wrinkle. And the wrinkle is that the artists are not always getting most of the money on those returns. It's the right. corporations and things like that. I'm not even just talking about music. And, and the other issue that I have, and that, that's the lesser issue of the two, the bigger issue is the price of things. And so here's my feeling on this. So I'm going to specifically single out digital downloads for comics. So I'm mm-hmm. a big comic book fan, okay? okay? I could, for example, go to the comic book shop and get a mm-hmm. poll. And a poll is when you get like, you know, your weekly or your weekly or your monthly comic poll, okay? Right. And I could get all of the Marvel run that I want to follow f- and pay a couple hundred dollars mm-hmm. a month on those comics. Mm-hmm. Or I could wait for trade paperbacks to come along and probably spend a long time trying to figure out how to put them in order and collect them and whatever, and I would sink hundreds and hundreds of dollars into collecting everything via trade paperbacks. So here's my problem. My problem is is that they're too damn expensive. And when you get a comic and it's got 30 pages max of mediocre story and artwork because that's you know sometimes how it goes – and you just paid three dollars and fifty cents for it. That's too high, yeah. way, way too high for that. And and as an artist myself, I look at it and I go, well, yeah, sure, the artist needs to be paid, and yes, the artist has value. I mean, I would want to be paid, right? But the thing is, is that there's got to be a different model to make this work. And the reason people are stealing stuff is because of that. They don't want to. <laughs> they can't afford two hundred dollars for their monthly pull of comics, right. and so they're going online. And so this is. I'm asking this specifically because of that, because there's been this whole discussion about you know if you don't buy comics, comics are going to go away because they can't afford to keep producing if nobody's buying them if they're just yeah. stealing them. Granted, I buy that. I actually go out and I hunt down and buy the trade paperbacks that I want. And, and often when I read stuff that I've gotten online, I will go back out and buy the stuff I really like on trade paperback because I can do it and am able to support them. But a lot of people are not. So yeah. does it doesn't make pirate accept, pirating acceptable per se, but it does illustrate a problem, I think. And that, that problem is existing in music and, and books and, and across the board right now. Yeah, all right. So that's another aspect of, of piracy that I – this is a part that I can understand. And I will give you a different example. Television shows. Television shows by today's standards should be online – Maybe a few hours after they show on the West Coast. But unfortunately, what happens is that some companies don't do that. They wait like maybe three days, eight days, two weeks before the episode's on online. I, as, as a consumer, should have the right to go to CBS.com or Hulu or something and say, I missed this show. You can throw as many damn commercials in there as, as you want, but I want to be able to, to watch it. And I can't. The, there's only one alternative, which is to go out and download the thing, to pirate it. Now, I won't do that, but that's what, that's what I have seen other people say. Is like, oh, well, CBS, NBC, ABC, whatever, you know, they don't offer whatever show that uh, other people want, so they're forced to go out and download it. Yeah, but it's, it's this ownership thing, though, too. You're, you're totally right on this. You're forced to go from NBC to ABC to CBS to Hulu to Netflix to all track down all the stuff you want to do. And mm-hmm. while I don't mind, like, uh, for example, I think Hulu Plus, it's a good service. I, I don't mind dropping $9 or whatever it is a month to pay for Hulu Plus. I don't mind dropping $9 or whatever it is a month to pay for Netflix. 
yeah. on, and watch everything on my Roku. That's great. I'm happy to pay that money. What I don't like then is when they got to load this crap up with commercials, number one, after you've already paid it. Hey, and, yeah. and number two, that all the stuff you want isn't even available. And it's not, it's not Hulu's fault. No. But it's like, what is wrong with these companies? Just mm-hmm. let your stuff go. You know, let it out there. The comic book people. You know what? Digital downloads of your comics. Yeah, Watermark them or something if you sure. want to put them up there so that people can see what it is and decide whether or not they want to buy this stuff before they drop 3 bucks and 50 cents for a stupid comic book that sucks. <laughs> because sometimes they don't suck and they're great and you're like, I'd love to pay you this money for this because it's awesome. Yeah, but that, that's you know, I think I think they just don't want to let it go. It's like all these corporations just want to hold on to their property so tight uh, that they're they're forcing people in many cases to you yeah. know. I've heard people argue this. You and I are big movie fans, so we like to go to the movies and go yeah. into the theater. But uh, I have friends who don't, right? And their reason for not wanting to go is again, it's too expensive. They argue, why should I be forced to pay? You know. 10 or 11 bucks per ticket to go see a movie in the theater with me and my wife or my girlfriend or whatever. And then that plus dinner, I'm like out 60, 70 bucks at the end of the night when I can just go up to Torrent and, you know, get it for free and sit at home and watch it on TV. Well, I I don't agree with that. I I don't think I'm not sure I do either, but no, 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 I, I'm, I I don't condone downloading movies for free. I, I don't. So wrapping this up then right or wrong, is it acceptable it's, it's or gray. not? It's gray. It's gray. say in general, I I don't know if if it's available, don't pirate it. If it's if it's out of print, just make sure nobody's looking. <laughs> I would say it's it's not acceptable, probably at all. Mm-hmm. But dot dot dot, <laughs> because that is how I feel about it. But yeah. and the big but is. <laughs> Everything that I just said, if you make it so difficult for me to either preview or access your material or so, you know, the the cost barrier is inordinately high for the quality, then, well, dot, dot, dot. Yeah, yeah. I think bottom line is that, like I said, today's digital distribution, everything should be less expensive and there should not be anything that's out of print unless... There's some legal issues. You know how, how albums yeah. and movies can some, sometimes be tied up? But here's a perfect example. The entire Batman 1966 run is not on DVD. Why? Because it's tied up in a whole bunch of legal crap. So DVDs have been out since 1997. Here it is, 2011, and we still don't have Batman on DVD. Well, there's, there's similar issues, for example, with... Um, I know this is going to sound lame, but... Uh, I'm a fan. Uh, Little House on the Prairie. The entire Little House on the Prairie series, the only versions you can get are the hyper-edited versions they use for syndication. Really? And you can't get the full versions that ran on NBC when they first ran. And so you're missing sometimes upwards of 15 to 20 minutes worth of content on those really edited-down shows that they ran on TBS for a long time. And it's like, if you're a fan of any show, why would you want that? There's a reason I don't own the DVDs, because I'm not buying that. Yeah. But I'm I'm going to be waiting forever because they don't want to release them because they're tied up in some legal thing and blah, blah, blah. And this is good enough crap. Just eat your crap. Take it. Pay the 200-some dollars you want for, or we want for this, you know, box set and go home. Dumb consumer slaves. Right. <laughs> and that is what makes That's me say right. dot, dot, dot. Dot, dot, dot. Yeah. yeah.
so details of the uh, the new Star Wars Blu-ray set are starting to emerge. I've seen a clip of the Empire Strikes Back on YouTube. Uh, Fox Germany posted it. You know, they fixed they fixed Vader's lightsaber. It's not like this Hello Kitty pink anymore, which I'm very happy about. But you know what really irks me about Lucasfilm is their technical description as to why Vader's saber was pink in the first place on DVD. And they say, well, you know, DVD doesn't have uh, the, uh, the, the same color palette. Like, dude, red is there in the color palette. <laughs> Stop BSing us. I'm really sick of being lied to by these people. It's like the, red. the, the, rear, the, rear, the rear channels were swapped for the music, and they said, oh, that was a creative, uh, creative decision. Well, then how come the rear music channels weren't swapped on the German release? Yeah, you know what else happened that really sucked? Is somehow they uh, they were re-recording or just sweetening the audio of the original uh, sequels or the original um, trilogy, and suddenly a South African dude popped in and <laughs> did all the voiceovers for Boba Fett. And I'm like, what the heck? That's weird. That must... How did that dude get in the studio? That's you know what else happened? They were doing all the they were revising the um, just sweetening up the video picture and everything of Return of the Jedi, and all of a sudden, like Hayden Christensen, who's over in the next room filming the prequels, walked in and like stepped in front of the fil- of like they were shooting the screen and stepped in front of old Anakin Skywalker and stood there in his costume. I mean, what the dude? Really? That was a mistake. That was messed up. Are they going to fix that? I don't know if they're going to fix that. They're- Did you see the thing where they they had they were doing the they're fixing up the video and they had that shot of like the Millennium Vulcan or whatever and um Han Solo and then that big rubber like maquette of like Jabba the Hutt they were wheeling through the set at the time and it oh, got yeah. in and then Harrison Ford like they had to adjust him and he like stepped on the thing and it was a big mistake. They, they I hope they're going to fix that. <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> The Blu-rays are supposed to be fixed. I, I, I hope to God that they finally fix the uh, the mat areas around the ships because you can see them plain as day. Remember when the 2004 DVDs came out? They say, "Yeah, we've got this new digital way yeah. of fixing everything." You know, and and then you watch except the, for the snow. mat. <laughs> yeah, except for the mat. They said they actually fixed it. They said, "Well, you know, you won't be able to see through anything anymore." And then you watch the snow battle on Hoth, and you can see right through the cockpit, like the, uh, the, the supports of the cockpit of, of the AT-ATs. And I'm going, oh, so you didn't really fix it, did you? So, uh, see, this is one of those we've always thought about the um, revised Star Wars. With all the money and time Lucas has got to screw around with these creations, it's amazing to me that CBS Digital could do the entire original Star Trek over again and do it right mm-hmm. and completely replace the old effects to the satisfaction of their fan base, I might add. Yeah, yeah. And Lucas can't get it right. He can't even remove matte boxes. He's going to be like, oh, yeah. <laughs> the uh, the uh, lightsabers. Uh, well, they kind of. I'm turning into an Darth Vader here myself, <laughs> but it's I'm Fat Vader. Anyways, the uh, lightsabers <laughs> should be uh, pink, actually, in the original canon. The Sith, uh, the Sith Lords used pink uh, as a sign of superiority. Pink being brighter than red. Uh, actually, they didn't want to use white because that would make it seem like they were good and they were still bad. <laughs> All right, so let me let me just say one thing about the original versions of these movies. He says that they. They don't exist anymore, which is complete BS because I know people that own 35 and 70 millimeter prints of these films. But is he saying they don't exist like as in they don't exist in his vision anymore? They're gone? No, he like physically they don't exist, which is like complete crap. He says that he cut like special edition versions into the negatives or something like that. 
I don't buy that. That's bull. No, and you know they only don't exist until he's completely exhausted his revenue means by screwing with them, and then he'll release them all originally <laughs> to get more money. Well, speaking of screwing with them, he says George has apparently added a few new surprises into these films, and that there will be new things to notice. Which means he's still not done dicking around with these movies. I uh, know. I saw that. I saw that. You know, and here's the thing. I am not... It's like the Star Trek revisions. It's like we we were just talking about not too long ago here in, in my circles that uh, Star Trek The Next Generation might be getting a digital redo, and they might right. redo all their effects. I'm actually open to that. I am not against it. When I first heard Star Wars were going to be revised and cleaned up, you know, I, was, I wasn't like a super purist. I wasn't like, no, he's going to ruin it. I'm like, nah, that might be cool. In fact... I'll come right out and say it. I think some of the the um, replaced X-wing and Tie Fighter stuff from the very first movie at the end is mm-hmm. actually quite good mm-hmm. and improves on the original. And they fixed a lot of things because of it. I think like putting windows in um, Cloud, uh, Cloud City, City were, were, was pretty cool. I thought it was amazing. Yeah, and it made it it opened it up. But you know, but he's made some dumb decisions. Like those things enhanced what was originally done, but he's made decisions that have changed it, like the inclusion of the Han shoots first nonsense and the, you know, Mos Eisley now driving in has got all these crazy, like, you know, Jawas doing trapeze acts and like slapstick comedy with goofy robots. And I'm like, no, 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 we don't want to see that, George. We don't want to see that, dude. You were cool once, man. (laughs) You were cool. You made flannel cool. We bought flannel because of you. I grew a beard got fat and wore flannel just to be like you. Now what do I got? Nothing. <laughs> the uh, the shot of the Falcon taking off from Moss Eisley I thought was a great addition to the special edition. Yeah, I agree. Because, I mean, yeah. it fit in. It just added dimension <clears throat> to it and added a little punch to it. So it was fine. Yeah, I thought it was great. Um, one of the things that I despised about The Empire Strikes Back is the, um, the fact that George thought that we were so stupid. Yeah. Bring me my he- shuttle. Well, well, related to that is the fact that they had to show Vader landing on his Star Destroyer and use an edited shot from a, 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 a takeout of Return of the Jedi. Yeah. yeah. Because we are so dumb to realize that he might have gotten to his Star Destroyer before. Um, but did anyone ever raise that as an issue? No. I always understood it. In fact, I understood it so inherently that I never brought it up once as an issue that I, I never quite understood how he got there. I, I'll tell you why. It's because George felt that we were so dumb that he had to he, he might as well have filmed every single step of what Vader did to make sure that we knew damn it that he made it to a star destroyer first you know so we're both creative people i mean i actually do i'm an, i'm a digital painter i i do art i i tend to be a perfectionist i understand perfectionism i understand not often wanting to release something because you don't think it's finished. Mm -hmm. So I cut him some slack because I understand that. But I just, I think it's just, it's, it's almost like it's a wasted life. The guy created something out of his own head that was really good. And he could have gone places with it. And instead, he's returned to the first well over and over and over again, trying to improve past performance instead of just moving on i mean think about for you know think about the lost opportunities he had in the late 80s to mid 90s where he could have reassembled the original cast and moved on Mm -hmm. 
you know, with, with true sequels. He, hell, he could have taken Timothy Zahn's uh, expansion universe books and just done those, yeah. and they would have been pretty cool. And he just didn't do it. And now we're getting, you know, crap over crap. Like, it, it really bothers me that I see that to make sure that, you know, they, they make money on all the stuff they're putting out there, you only even get the original trilogy extras if you buy the full all-six-film box set yeah. with the prequel Blu-rays. And nobody wants that. So all he's doing now is just sucking money out of the dumb fans who are willing to, you know, fork over money again. We've done this over and over again on Star Wars, and it, it always seems like I think we're hating on Star Wars. But, you know, it's not hate. It's love. I love Star Wars. But he screwed it's, it up. It's, and it's what's being done to it, it. It's anger at the fact that it just keeps screwing the pooch, you know? And, and I'm not going to be taken advantage again by this guy. I have to tell you, when I saw the details of the Blu-ray, there was a twinge. A twinge of, I kind of want that. Yeah. No. 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 No, 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 Lucas, never again. <laughs> well, I'm buying it. No, don't sell out, dude. Don't I'm, give no, money I'm to Bib Fortuna. It. It's, it's Star Wars on Blu-ray. I'm so tired of watching this crappy 1080i up-converted to 1080p version from HBO. You know what? I'm going to go to Salvation Army, buy myself a 17-inch Trinitron TV from 1982. <laughs> I'm going to play... In my old beat-up RCA VHS deck, the old widescreen VHS tapes from the 80s and be happy with it. <laughs> and I'm going to eat some Doritos taco-flavored in the old retro bags, and I'm just going to like, Look at it! It's a better, better in the 80s! Everything was better then! <laughs> I'm going to be damn happy well, about it, too! Uh, damn I, kids! They Supposedly there are a whole bunch of deleted scenes on, on these sets that um, they haven't even listed. They said there are things that they they said that uh, we didn't even know existed. Us, the fans, didn't even know existed. I'm like, nah, I'm sure we did know that they existed. If it was in the novelization or the comic book, we knew they existed. We've seen most of the stuff that's out there anyways. Yeah, I mean, what, what else are we going to have? Like, here's Luke picking his nose. Oh, God, man, didn't know that they had that. I see, and it's, I always thought it was funny. Of all the things they added back in, they added that silly um, Han Solo Java thing. But they uh, they didn't add in the Luke and Big stuff from early on in the movie, which I think if they cleaned it up has a lot more merit. And then you know th- th- there really was a question, sort of, who was Biggs and how did Luke know him? All you really knew was that he was like, oh, he really knows this guy. He must have known him from somewhere. Well, it he... wasn't a huge question, but it was no. a question. And there's something he could have cleared up and probably made it kind of clue. And you got to see like um, Fixer and Cammy and all his other friends and. You know, I mean, it, it might have been okay. Maybe not necessary, but I'm just saying, if you're going to add stuff back into the movie, why the heck didn't he add something like that? I never quite understood that. Maybe the film know. quality wasn't good enough. I don't know. Might have been. Or maybe the acting wasn't good enough. Could, could, could be. Could uh, be. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. But we'll see. I'll, I'll tell you what. We'll, we'll leave this topic alone for a month, and then when the Blu-rays come out and I watch them, and if I can pick myself off the floor, I'll, uh, I'll talk about it a little more. Sounds good. In the meantime, I'll try to withhold my hate for Bib Fortuna. (laughs) 
Did you get your HP touchpad? No. I, and I, I wouldn't anyways because I, I got an iPad. So I, I ordered one because I love WebOS. I said this for a long time is that I thought that WebOS was a good contender against um, the iPhone and iOS. I beta test, not I'm sorry, not beta test, but I tested the uh, the Palm Pre for CNET uh, two or was it two or three summers ago. They gave some writers uh, a Palm Pre, and we were told to write about it for a month for CNET. And I loved WebOS, and I already had an iPhone at the time, but I was just in love with this device, and I thought, oh, this WebOS is going to go places, but it never did. So when HP announced that they were creating this touchpad around WebOS 3.0, I was interested, but not for five, six hundred dollars or whatever it was originally. But then the story goes that they couldn't sell them; they, they, they just could not sell any of these devices. And Best Buy was pissed because they expensive? had all this. Well, not that it was too expensive. It's just like, why would you buy? Why would you spend so much money on an untested device with? Uh, with an uh, an operating system that not many people know about, well, you could just go to an Apple store and buy an i an iPad. Well, that's true, but there's some people that don't like Apple, obviously. Well, that's that's true, and and those people are probably buying Android devices. And uh, so, yeah, that's right. Yeah, so why would you buy a WebOS device? And and so, me as a fan of WebOS, I always wanted to see what made a tick, but I wasn't going to spend all this money on it. So then HP says. They made this announcement and said, oh, all right, well, we're killing WebOS devices. And all of a sudden, overnight, literally, the price dropped from like $500 to $99. And there was this big grab for, uh, for these HP touchpads. Um, people wanted to put Linux on it. Some people actually wanted to write WebOS. Like me, I'm, I'm actually interested in just seeing what WebOS ticks, how it ticks. And it's a $99 tablet. So how could you go wrong with a $99 tablet with, with, with an operating system which may not be supported in the future, but I mean, for 100 bucks, I mean, this thing might last you for a year or so. Looks to me like they've changed it. Like I'm up on Amazon right now looking it up, and 16 gigabyte Wi-Fi is $289 right now. Well, that see, the way Amazon had them up for $99 because they were selling them through Target. If you click on that, you'll see that they're being sold through some company that's selling them for $289. They shouldn't be. They're trying to they're trying to uh, uh, capitalize on the fact that people want these devices. Oh, so it's up then. I was going to say, because now I'm, I'm seeing it, and it's rated horribly too, but got 533 customer reviews rated poor. <laughs> oh, it's it's because of the it's because of the uh, the vendor. Anyways, yeah, it's because of the vendor. So, I'm getting one. It's supposed to be. I'm supposed to get a shipping notice today or tomorrow. Uh, some people that I know are supposed to be getting theirs today, and I'm just curious because I'm I'm not a big Android fan. I, I, the reason why is because coming from the Nokia side with Symbian and the fact that. The way that operating systems work around the world is that like, a, a version of a, a cell device's operating system may be out in one country but not mine. It may not come out at all in my country. I was so sick and tired of this, and now we're seeing it with Android and devices. Like this version of Android doesn't work on this device that's a year old, and and I'm getting. I, I just got so sick of that. That that whole dance with operating systems and whether or not it's for your device, your country, or if 
your serial number has an X instead of a B and stupid things like that. So that's one of the reasons why I stuck with iPhone because it's one, two, or three devices and one operating system and that's it and it's worldwide. No, I, I did too for the exact same reasons. This is why I didn't get an Android. I mean, when I had my Nokia, my Nokia N95, there was a new version of the operating system that came out in like, I don't know, Scandinavia or Norway or something like that. And I had to find a copy so that I was able to actually record video with like some, some app or something. It was ridiculous. Yeah, well, it's it's a lot of work when you don't have to do it. But then again, um, you know, the I, I, here's the complaint I always hear about Macs from people who don't like Macs. Well, it's not even that they don't like it. So it's Eric again. So <laughs> Eric says, Eric is like Eric is the anti Bryce. He's he's my nemesis. So Eric Eric says that he, he I like Macs. They're great, but you can't afford the damn things. They're too expensive. I'd rather just go out there and get you know some more compatible device. So he probably thinks the touchpad is probably pretty cool. I, I would guess Maybe. because it's, you know, competing against Mac and, you know, he's going to have to bang his head against the wall trying to make it work and, you know, interface with everything. Like I, I heard him the other day complaining about uh, his Android wouldn't sync up with his uh, calendar on his Mac laptop. And I'm like, why didn't you just get an iPhone? <laughs> you wouldn't have to worry about the sync up. And, you know, I got a cheap tablet. It's something to play around with, and I like developing for new devices, so we'll see what happens. Ars Technica is reporting that GameStop is opening copies of Deus Ex for the PC and removing the free game code. Oh my God, what's up with this? I saw that. I think uh, isn't isn't the deal that uh, GameStop has got their own online service and they, they don't want you using the online service that's bundled with Deus Ex? They do, and that's the point of contention of this whole thing. Is was there an agreement originally that said that? This won't happen. The copies that were being shipped from Square Enix would not have this coupon in it uh, because it is a competitor. That brings up the point that if if this was in their contract that these coupons won't be in the boxes and they did ship in the boxes, does GameStop have the right to remove them? But then if GameStop is opening boxes and removing codes and re-shrink wrapping them and selling them as new, are they really new? Uh, well, sorry, you start getting into this yeah. whole like really bad gray area as to what's right and what's wrong. Like, like there's there's a whole legal aspect of it, but then there's like this whole moral implication is like, well, people are just gonna say, you know what, screw it. I don't care if if OnLive is is a competitor to GameStop. I'm just gonna go down the street and buy it at Best Buy or or Amazon. Well, isn't there isn't there an issue with the game though as well? Like if you remove that from the game, doesn't the game sort of like um Microsoft's games for Windows thing? Isn't there a connectivity that needs to go through that service in order for the game to function properly? No, it's it's not like that. Okay. It's different. No, it it doesn't keep the game from So it's not like live then. No. Okay. No. So really so then the only issue is the fact of that they're opening these opening the boxes? Yeah. Yeah, well, I don't like it, but on the other hand, I guess I can see GameStop's perspective, especially if they already said don't don't bundle this in here. You know, GameStop would be like selling toys at Burger King that had an ad for McDonald's Hot Meals in them. Yeah, it's like, oh, wait a minute. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but but then again, is it is it right to open up something and and then reshrink it and sell it as new? Well, 
And yeah, no. <laughs> I would say that they, that, well, see, they're in a rock and a hard place, though. So Deus Ex is like getting these really great reviews, and it's like the number one game right now. Mm-hmm. And so they need to be able to sell that because they know people are going to come in and want to buy that game. Yeah. Their best bet, the right thing to do, would be refuse to sell the game until Deus Ex sent them new repackaged new, ones yeah. for GameStop. But they can't. They 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 don't want to do that because if they do that, they're going to lose all the initial sales on that game, and they're going to lose a bunch of money. Yeah, I think that's why they're. doing And I that. wonder how much money are they going to lose versus because like, most people most people are going to look at this and just go on live. Who cares? I think that they're overreacting to this whole thing. I mean, I, for one, I know what OnLive is. I really don't care about it. So if I were to see that in the box, I would just go, all right, whatever. Is this just like a Battle.net kind of thing? Well, it, Or is it just an online community? It's, well, it's, you, or is it you like know Steam, Steam or something? You know what yeah. Steam is, right? It's yeah. sort of like their version of Steam. Oh, well, it's, nobody uses anything but Steam anyway, so yeah, what are I they know. worried about? <laughs> yeah, Old Republic is going to be on Origin, not Steam. Really? Yeah. Old Republic is not going to be on Steam? Nope. Oh, that makes me mad. Well, that's the way it's going to be. It's not going to be on Steam. You know, and I had such good things to say about Old Republic related to Star Wars. Mm-hmm. You're going to make me rant again, aren't you? You're going to bring out oh my, my hatred God. for Bib Fortuna. Bib Fortuna f***s me again. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't have anything to say. I don't want to go there. Actually, no. Old, I'm. I am looking forward to Old Republic. Which, by the way, I know you can't talk about it because yeah. you're in the beta. But can yeah. you at least tell me and tell the audience is it good? I can't. You can't even say if it's good. I, I, I technically no. I can't. I can't say it one way or the other. Hmm. I bet you. I bet you can. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It, you know, it's weird because you, let, let's use let's use code. Let's use code. It, is the Millennium Millennium Falcon cool or not cool? <laughs> um, you know how the we're talking about the Millennium Falcon. No, you see, no, no I, just the Millennium I, Falcon, not anything else. Is that is it good? Is I can't. That a, is that I, a cool I, I, shit. You know what? It's I'll, I'll put it to you this way. <laughs> I could say one way or the other. I I'm afraid that anything that I say, good or bad, may be misconstrued. Yeah, yeah, because I've already yeah, done that yeah, on Twitter. Fine. Where that's like fine, people that's got, fine. but I was talking got, about the Millennium Falcon. No, I is the Millennium Falcon <laughs> cool or not cool? That's all I asked. I don't know where you're going with this game anymore. We're not even talking about that. Millennium Falcon, cool. Um, Millennium or not Falcon cool. is kind of cool. Kind of cool. There it is. There it is. Kind of cool. Hard hitting news from Geekistry. <laughs> Finally, our, our last news item for today is that Steve Jobs announced yesterday that he is resigning as CEO of Apple, the company that he started in his garage with Steve Wozniak in 1976. And it's, and it's probably due to health reasons. Probably. He said that he would continue to be on as CEO as long as he can, as long as he's able to. Yeah, health reasons. And he, I guess at this point, uh, he can't. You can't do it anymore. Well, it's too bad, but I you can't say that you didn't see it coming. 
Oh, no, everybody saw it coming. I think that, see, Apple's a smart company in the sense that they they would have seen this coming a long time ago. And so they they got Tim Cook, who is the COO for several years, and he's going to take Steve's place as CEO. And I think that, that they prepped him to do a good job. Steve probably instilled in him, this is what good design is. And say what you want about Apple, but if if you think about what computers and MP3 players and everything was before Apple and what they are now, you can't deny that Apple's got some pretty damn good designers. I mean, forget about you know, like Steve for a second. Think about like Jonathan Ives who designed the iPod and and just all these all these creative, wonderful people. Um, Steve was the guy who said, you know what, I don't want to see screws on an iPod. You know, bad or good about the guy, whatever you think about him, you can't deny that he's been visionary. Yeah. You can say the same thing about Bill, about, uh, Bill Gates, for yeah. example. They're both, they're both visionary. They're both, uh, they're both decent guys. Wozniak, the same thing. Is Steve Wozniak still with them at all? Um, I think he's there as a consultant. I don't think he's there full time. Well, and Steve Jobs has stepped down from this position before, though. He, he or either stepped down or forced out. I don't, I don't recall. Do oh, in you? 1985? Oh, yeah, he yeah. was forced out. Okay. I was going to say, because he hasn't had his fingers on this company all the time. He came back when the uh, the IMAX came out with their multicolored uh, little mini TV set things. Yeah. yeah. I was like at Macworld Boston when Steve was on stage and he made the announcement that they were getting help from Microsoft and they were, they were going to be nicey-nice with Microsoft. And... That was a pivotal moment because I was an Apple fan before then when they were struggling. And to watch Apple grow and do the right thing from a design point of view from 1997 until now. I mean, they've done such great stuff in the last 14 years. And you know, the, the, the whole iMac thing was brilliant because... With PCs, I and mean, if you remember, they're all gray or black boxes, and you didn't know what was in them. You, you just you just have this thing with a handle. It doesn't weigh that much, and but you've got yourself a pretty damn good computer. Well, let's be honest here about this, though. And I have Macs everywhere. I'm a Mac guy. I wouldn't say I'm a Mac fanboy, though. I don't check the Mac news. I don't get super geeked whenever the latest project product comes out. And I also have a PC. I game 100% on a PC because yeah. I think it's the only way to go. I think Mac gaming... It, even with Steam on Mac, is not comparable to what you can do on a PC. Plus, you can kit out your PC hardware more and get the best bang for your buck. So, at any rate, Mac, can you think of any single consumer product since 2000 or so in the you know consumer electronics arena outside of perhaps the Amazon Kindle that's had a bigger impact than anything that Mac has put out. iPod, iPhone, iPad, iMac. No. No. Yeah, see, not I can't either. One, that, that's that's how important Steve Jobs' contribution to Mac has been, and that's how important Mac is uh, well, as a company. Apple is as a company. I keep calling it It's not Mac. even just the devices. It's the culture around the devices. And that's what they've created is... is I mean, yeah, if, if you look at it from a thousand miles up, you realize that they, they made it in such a way where it, things work better with Macs and a little more seamless. Than, like, I use my iPod at Windows on Windows when I was at work, and it's a little clunky, 
But they did it. They were smart. They allowed people to use an iPod on Windows so that even though you didn't have that that full experience of using an iPod with a Mac and, and make it all seamless, they helped propel the iPod even further than they would have if they never supported it on Windows. You know, I think they're just they're human friendly. Uh, they they're. Um they they use human factors in the design they're mm-hmm. cognitive uh they're easily approachable and i think they gain a wide audience like so my mother for is a great example of this my mom not much of a computer person say 6 years ago uh because she was messing around with windows and it, it was all the typical problems try explaining all of the typical problems that you have to wrestle through with any you know windows or pc based system to your 65-year-old mother who mm-hmm. doesn't understand. I finally convinced her that when her PC finally died, she needed to move into Mac. And now, because of how simple it is to use the Mac, she's not only has a desktop, she's got a desktop iMac, but now she's got a laptop, a, and an iPhone, and two iPods. Mm-hmm. Because the whole system works together like this harmonious unit, and people can kind of understand and glom onto. Oh, I see what these things do. Yeah. They have uses, and I don't think, uh, like I said, I don't think there are people who like the mismatched devices. Eric is a good example of that. You know, I want I want this crazy Sony MP3 player, and I want my Android, and I want this Linux box driving this, and I want this Sony Vio little mini computer over here to do this. But, um, you know, for your average person who doesn't understand how to do that kind of stuff and isn't a tech head, uh, I think Apple provides a a really ready-made solution. I mean, apart from that, Apple was the company, if you think back 15 years ago, what was technology itself like? Technology was creeping along at a snail's pace. And there are people like myself that said, why can't somebody take technology because we knew that there are better ways to do things take technology and propel it like 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 you're inching along a football field why can't somebody just throw the hail mary and and push technology further than it can for today's current snails snails pace and that's what apple did if you think about the mp3 players that were out before the ipod i mean they're terrible i had a creative nomad jukebox which was a piece of crap it was convenient but it was a piece of crap i mean what other alternatives did you have you had mini discs like back in 1997 98 yeah and and all of a sudden apple comes out and says you know what we're just going to wrap this this little lcd screen around uh, a hard drive and here's your mp3 player holy crap why did it take apple to do that why couldn't creative do that why couldn't like any other company do that. And and that's why I like Apple is because they, they take technology and they push it. Same thing with the iPhone. Think about what, what, what phones were like back then. Everybody had these crappy little flip phones. The, the close, like the, the Nokia N95 that I had, which was this, I mean, it was the best that you could get for the time for features, but it was designed badly and it had this little slider that kept sticking and it was, it was just a pain in the ass. There was an HP um, iPack um, which was like a, a sort of a Windows mobile device, which was heavy and like because I like to keep my um, phone on me when I'm at the gym, and the thing was so heavy that I couldn't I couldn't have it on my uh, my belt. And if again, it finally took Apple to say we're going to propel i uh, our phone technology 
ahead about five or seven years. Yeah, but you know what, though? I'm not, I'm not 100% sure I agree with you that they're vaulting technology forward per se. I actually look at Apple as being a lot like Blizzard or Blizzard as a lot like Apple in that they take the existing technology, or in Blizzard's case, the existing games, and they look at them and they say, there's flaws here and there's greatness here. How can we take all the greatness and put it together in one thing and refine and perfect mm-hmm. this technology and then put it out there? Yeah. And they come up with this, like, I mean, because there was, there was flirtations with touch screens and things like that already out there before uh, the iPhone. And there was flirtations of all kinds of, you know, MP3 players. And there was flirtations with little mini computers and things like that. Apple just said, we're going to take all these great ideas that are out there and perfect them. Yeah. And put them out there so that, you know, we are leading the market. And you're going to pay a premium for it, you know. And in that way, I think they're, they are a lot like Blizzard. Yeah. And Steve Jobs is responsible for that kind of thinking. That's that's what he is. Yes, yes, but he so. he is responsible for that kind of thinking. Some people were comparing him to like Einstein and 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 such. And I'm like, mm. well, no, because he didn't actually. I mean, he didn't invent a lot of things. That that goes to Steve Wozniak. Yes, you know, yeah. Wozniak did a lot of the inventing, and and um, uh, Jobs did a lot of the marketing. You know, a- I think it's interesting that the 1984 commercial and everything mm-hmm. when when they were first talking about the 2E coming out and that it was the big, you know, super change that was going to vault things forward. While I like the marketing there, looking back on it, I'm not sure that that actually changed things dramatically, but I think the the point of the 1984 commercial has now come true with oh, Apple. Sure. That now they really are changing things. They just needed a little bit more time. Mhm. The reason why I think that people get excited when Steve gets on stage is is because if you look at all the other CEOs or or representatives of other companies, for example, Adobe. Adobe is this great company that has a lot of creative flow through it. But the guy that they put on stage to talk about their products is boring as hell. Steve well, Steve out. Jobs is kind of a P.T. Barnum. He, uh, he he's is. A, he's a Hearst. He's a um, Theodore Roosevelt. I'm just trying to think of the, the personality type where you know he's he's a compelling um, personality. Yeah. That you you watched in many cases because of the personality and not just what he's putting out. Well, it's in my opinion, it's a little of both because what he does is he knows how to explain and how it's it's somebody i forgot who it was somebody uh, wrote to me on twitter that watching steve jobs on stage is like is like watching somebody unwrap the presents that you want because as a geek as somebody who likes technology and likes to watch this stuff unfold he he presents things and saying oh you know that thing that you dreamt about 3 years ago guess what we invented it and we're going to show it to you right now <gasps> And that's why I think that Apple does well is because while other companies are going, and we have a flip phone, and yeah. it, it, Steve gets on stage and he's like he's like a guy. He you know people make fun of his black turtleneck and the jeans, but he makes everybody feel comfortable and say, "Well, listen, we at Apple, we have a lot of smart people, and guess what? We've invented something that's really cool, and we know that you want it because." We know they know their customers. They even know the customers that they don't even have yet. 
they know what people want. And that's why I think that Apple has done so well. Whereas other companies such as Microsoft, yeah, they're doing well, but they, I think Microsoft did well because they were more of a necessity for businesses and people than they were, um, uh, uh, an organic human vibe. You bought a Microsoft product because you had to, because your neighbor had it and your business had it and everybody was using Word and everybody, you know, this, this goes back to like 92 or something like that. Whereas nowadays, it doesn't even matter. A lot of stuff is, is more or less standardized in some form or another. You, you create a Word document on a, on a Microsoft machine on Windows and you can read it on a Mac, you can read it on Linux, you can read it on your iPad. So, yeah, I, I hope Steve Jobs, um, I hope he fares well, but I think... Reality is, we know why he stepped down, so it, he'll be missed. Is I guess my thought. Yeah, he's still chairman of the board. Uh, he was elected chairman yesterday, so he's still involved in Apple. But yeah, he won't be uh, he won't be as involved as he was before. Well, and I think the sad thing is, you know, that if he stepped down, he's I, I, thinking that's you know, there's a reason for it. Yeah, so, yeah. This is a love song. I try not to be dramatic unless I have to But I was at the Apple store picking out a MacBook And on my way out like thanks for stopping by And you walked in and you really caught my iPod And I'm gonna put you on my playlist I don't know what your name is but you're going in my favorites I got you in my eyesight, I hope you're here Cause I'm gonna turn the volume up and speak into your earbuds I like your interface, it ain't a big deal You got my heart spinning right around like a click wheel And I was thinking we can shuffle through the interwebs And find the time for iMovies playing at the Cineplex And girl, you know you made that Final cut And even MacBook Air ain't light enough To outweigh my heart, which is beating so rapid That I'm gonna have to track it with an iPod app And I fell in love at the store I never felt like that before and I fell in love at the Apple store and I think I may come back for more that's it for Geek Street episode 60 join the Geek Street community talk to us about the stuff we talk about on our site forums at geekstreet.com slash forums or give us a call, 734-418-7077. And if you like what we're doing here, please head up to iTunes and give us a review. Thanks for the couple we've gotten up there recently. Love them. Thank you. Your reviews, they help move the show up on the ratings, attract new listeners, and it keeps Hal from locking you out of the ship while your oxygen runs out. That's a bad thing. <laughs> I'm sorry, Dave. I'm sorry, Bib Fortuna. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, I'm sorry you have to oh, die, no, no. Bib Fortuna, for your indiscretions to the geek community. <laughs> Can't breathe, Bib Fortuna? <laughs> Too bad for you, Bib Fortuna. Maybe you shouldn't have inserted that scene with Han shooting first. <laughs> or last. Or whichever it was with or the at pink all. lightsaber. <laughs> never die, Bib Fortuna, die. That's been your bi-weekly geek out. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. See ya. Find us on the web at geekistry.com. Email us at feedback at geekistry.com. And follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, or Google Plus as Geekistry.
So I'm, I'm like over here, and then I'm 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 over here, and then over here, and you can get with this, and you can get with that, and you can get with this, and you can get with that. Show, listen to this one, right? Or listen to the show, listen. Ah, yeah. Wow, okay, well that degenerated fast, didn't it? Oh, angry Bryce. Angry, oh my God. Angry Bryce. Well, I've got something else that might make you angry. <laughs> oh, here we, yes, I know what's coming. Please. You know what's coming. People okay, are going to so be like, oh, that show is so good until he started going off on rants. And now it's just like the Angry Bryce show. Maybe this is what, maybe we should like change our names to morning show names. Like, you know, Starman and Angry Bryce on the morning zoo. <laughs>